Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. The second lesson is from the book of Revelation. And in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the, of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there any more, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Thank you, Kay. I'm sorry there were so many names in that Acts lesson, and you didn't see that until just before worship, but you did great. Our gospel lesson is from John's gospel, and this... Uh, is taking place during his meal with the disciples, or final meal, on the night before he was arrested. And so hear now these words of Jesus and listen to how God is speaking to you through them. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. And here ends the reading. And thanks be to God. In a time of bombs in Boston and factories exploding in Texas and factory collapse in Bangladesh 
saber-rattling by North Korea and conflict in Syria and 30 or more Americans murdered every day and gang violence and uh, other violence that happens in our world. In a time of violence and anxiety and strife, Jesus comes and says, my peace I give to you. I give to you peace. Peace be with you. For Jesus gives not as the world gives, but as God gives. And what God gives is peace. God does not give anxiety or suffering or stress. God gives peace. And in a time of the Roman Empire when soldiers walked the streets and order was maintained through excessive punishment, when the peace of Rome was anything but peaceful, at least for non-Romans, and what peace there was came from overthrowing the neighboring countries to make the borders more secure for the Romans. In that time, God came to a world in a sleepy town in a manger to say, my peace I give to you. This is my gift of peace. Be still and know that I am God. And to know my peace by being peaceful, by being still, by being still. It's hard to notice peace in the midst of strife or busyness or anxiety. Know my peace by being peaceful. Know my stillness by being still. And that might sound counterintuitive, maybe even obnoxious to say it that way. Right? I want peace and I want it now and you're telling me, Pastor, that I can only know peace by being peaceful? It's not something that will be thrust upon me. It should just come. It should be given to me. I got to work at it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That is part of the deal. It's, uh, it's an exercise in, in excessive patience for we who want everything right now to be told that peace comes through being peaceful. But it's true. We who want everything right now, who like easy fixes, who like uh, immediate solutions, might be frustrated by that, but I can't think of any way to be what you want to be except, except to be what you seek. If you want to be a certain way, then live that way. It's not just going to come. If you want to be a certain way, live that way. Instead of expecting it to come all at once, start building it now, and one day soon you'll see that it's there, that you and God have built it together through practice, through making it a discipline. It will come in the quiet moments, in the peace-filled and peaceful moments, those holy moments, the still moments. And then when it comes, then it can work its way out of us and into the world around us, into the people around us. We who bear the message of peace, we who are Christians bear the message of peace, 
and other religions do as well. We're not the only uh, religion of peace, but we are the ones that have the Messiah, who is the Prince of Peace. We have the message of the Prince of Peace, and that message is that anxiety and worry, fear, violence, bullying, saber-rattling, profit over people, injustice, etc., etc. None of those are God's intent. That might be how things are, but that's not the way they're supposed to be. God's intent is peace. A peace that is known through love and grace and a peace that is known by being peaceful. By being still. In the midst of a world at war, in the midst of nations trembling and people fighting and individuals struggling, God says, be still. And be at peace. God says, I am setting a table before you in the midst of it all. This table of bread and wine. And so stop. Be still. Take a moment and eat. Come to the table and eat. For by eating we enjoy the sacrament so that we can then become the sacrament for others. In holy moments of peace. I set a table before you to show you a sample of what is to come in the new Jerusalem. That vision that we read in in Revelation. I set a table before you to show you a sample of what is to come in the new Jerusalem with the river of the water of life and the fruit of the tree of life. From which we will drink and from which we will eat. And it's not... Not the image of some new Jerusalem in a far-off place. Maybe a far-off time. We don't know when it's going to be, but it's about a new Jerusalem here. It's the fulfillment of God's word here on earth where we live. In the here and now when we have a taste of that and a charge to work toward that. And we celebrate communion here. We'll celebrate communion this morning with the bread and wine around this table. But there's no no reason that we can't celebrate communion elsewhere. In fact, there's every reason, I think, that we ought to celebrate communion elsewhere. Whenever we can. Because it is the sign of peace. To commune with one another. To come to table together to eat together, to feed one another. And I think of the sacrament of communion that we have when we're downtown outside sojourners doing ministry with the people living on the streets. That's a moment of communion, a sacred moment. Or the communion, that sacred act of sharing and feeding when we visit one another in the hospital. Or when we call someone who is sick, when we console one another in grief, when we make a funeral lunch for a family who is mourning, or send a casserole to a recent widow or widower for their family to enjoy. It's all forms of communion. There's the communion of inviting a college roommate home for a holiday meal because, you know, they don't have a family to go to. Or maybe they've come from so far away that they can't afford to go home for the holidays. That's a a communion. Or the teacher who buys winter clothing out of her own pocket to give to the child who's coming to school with nothing warm to wear. 
or the community that comes together and says, we have too many children that don't get to eat breakfast in the morning, so we're going to feed them. And it's the time that we spend on a Sunday morning setting up tables for a potluck or even preparing the bread and wine for this table. All communion. And Jesus says, my kingdom looks like this. This is what my kingdom looks like as he shares the bread and the cup and breathes his peace. That's what the kingdom looks like. That's what this new Jerusalem looks like. And the river of life. And the tree of life. And these can happen in many moments of our lives, not just in our sanctuary. I want to read a a poem. This is a a poem that was getting passed around on Facebook this week that I thought was a... We're getting a lot of feedback, Paul. Um, A poem that was getting passed around on Facebook this week that I thought was just so perfect. talks about what communion is like and what communion can be. This is written by a, a poet and writer, Naomi Shihab Nye. She's a, a woman of Palestinian descent, although uh, an American. I can't remember if, if she came here with her parents or if her parents had come here first. But um, she grew up American, but also knows the uh, language uh, and customs of Palestine. And she wrote this. Uh, I couldn't figure out exactly when she wrote it, uh, but it's certainly post Uh, September 11th, uh, post-2001. I think this may be from 2006 uh, or 2007, but still at a time when an airport can be a tense place. Uh, And this is uh, a poem that she called Wandering Around an Albuquerque Airport Terminal. After learning my flight was detained four hours, I heard the announcement. If anyone in the vicinity of Gate 4A understands any Arabic Please come to the gate immediately. Well, one pauses these days. Gate 4A was my own gate, so I went there. An older woman in full traditional Palestinian dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled on the floor, wailing loudly. Help, said the flight service person. Talk to her. What is her problem? We told her the flight was going to be four hours late, and she did this. I put my arm around her and spoke to her haltingly, Shudawa Shubide Khabibti Stani Stani Shwe Minfadlik Shobit Sawi. And the minute she heard any words she knew, however poorly used, she stopped crying. She thought our flight had been canceled entirely. She needed to be in El Paso for some major medical treatment the following day. And I said, No, 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 we're fine. You'll get there. Just late. Who is picking you up? Let's call him and tell him. We called her son and I spoke with him in English. I told him I would stay with his mother till we got on the plane and would, and would ride next to her. And she talked to him. Then we called her other sons just for the fun of it. Then we called my dad. And he and she spoke for a while in Arabic and found out, of course, they had ten shared friends. Then I thought, just for the heck of it, why not call some Palestinian poets I know and let them chat with her? This all took up about two hours, and she was laughing a lot by then, telling about her life, answering questions. And she had pulled a sack of homemade mamul cookies, 
little powdered sugar, crumbly mounds stuffed with dates and nuts out of her bag and was offering them to all the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined one. It was like a sacrament. The traveler from Argentina, the traveler from California, the lovely woman from Laredo, we were all covered with the same powdered sugar and smiling. There are no better cookies. And then the airline broke out the free free beverages from huge coolers, non-alcoholic, and the two little girls for our flight, one African-American, one Mexican-American, ran around serving us all apple juice and lemonade, and they were covered with powdered sugar too. And I noticed my new best friend, by now we were holding hands, she had a potted plant poking out of her bag, some medicinal thing with green furry leaves, such an old country traveling tradition. Always carry a plant. Always stay rooted to somewhere. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones and thought, this is the world I want to live in. The shared world. Not a single person in this gate, once the crying of confusion stopped, has seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies. I wanted to hug all those other women too. This can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost. A poem of how things could be and how things often are when we let it be that way. About a sacrament that is about how things ought to be and that what we do here at this table What we do at this communion table is but a suggestion of how it ought to look out there. Beyond this space and beyond this time, how it ought to look out there with God's people. When we follow Jesus' way of saying the kingdom of God looks like this, my body broken for you, my cup poured out for you, eat and drink and have life for another day and a bunch of strangers who thought they had nothing in common realize that they are all of the same sort, all covered in powdered sugar of God's holiness. And not so distant, really, one from the other, except in our minds. Shall we pray? Peace, peace, you say. Be still, you say. Come to the river and lay every burden down, that we may know your grace and be fed by the water of life, to eat the bread and drink the cup of salvation and offer it to our neighbors in sacred, holy sharing of your gifts of peace to a world that needs much comfort. May it be so, we pray. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com 
for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.